You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 203 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on February 17th. Roger, I have great news. I could use great news right now. You only have to read 14 more issues of Wolverines. It's going on for another 14 issues? Well, in the latest solicits that came out, it goes up to number 19, and it calls it the penultimate issue. So (laughs) we're going to assume 20 is the last one. Well, I will be talking about the latest one. (laughs) later how did i know it's become a thing hey they want to release the stupid things every week i will talk about it every week and every week will be bad that's what they get for doing this (laughs) serves them right well to to kick things off on a more fun note we finally got the last chapter of Spider-Verse this past week, an amazing Spider-Man number 14. Of course, written by Dan Slott, art duties split between Giuseppe Comancoli and Oliver Koipel, with help from Wade Von Graubadger, Cam Smith, and Justin Ponsor. A lot happened. It was definitely a big, epic climax, but I don't know. It felt like it was lacking a little resolution for me. Now, I have said there there is an epilogue in issue 15, but this is what they said was the last chapter of Spider-Verse in the checklist. So this is what we're judging the end of the story on. What's funny is that I, I had to read this a couple of times and at no point was I thinking this is bad. Of right. course not. And it is this unbelievably action-packed ending which it has to be because of everything that's happened up until this point. It's not like they can go quietly into the the night. No, this is going to be loud and there's going to be a lot going on. Plus they're bringing in the various teams now are kind of showing up and all that. The thing with this that I felt after reading it several times is that the journey was worth so much more than the end. You know what I mean? It's just... It was so much fun at every turn and it was just all of the different characters and the different interactions. That's what made it cool. Whereas the end is a lot less of that and a lot more fighting. It's just big bombastic fight scenes. And yeah, there's a few character moments, of course. And and the ending, that final freaking panel... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with the two of them, Silk and Spidey was like, oh, I love that. And so there's a lot and there's a lot of good character moments. I, again, I don't want to sound negative about it at all. It's just Spider Ham was the star of this yeah, issue. I don't know that I go that far, but <laughs> but it's just that throughout it's been all of those interactions between the spiders that made it awesome. Whereas here was just, again, this big mess of spiders fighting. And the other thing that... And I know it's because it's the, the, the it's Spider-Man and no one else dies mentality and all that. However, that was, that's our Spidey, ours, you know, that's our <laughs> regular canon Spidey. That's the second time I do that. Um, but yeah, that's our Spidey. And, and I'll even go so far as to include Miles in that kind of thing. So uh, they're the ones that have that, that, that mentality. And certainly there's going to be others in the, 
various parallel universes that share that belief, we've seen from this that there are also quite a few who don't. And so to have it where everybody, with the exception of Otto, because he's got to be Otto, <laughs> you know, going, taking the high route and not killing anybody and things like that, felt disingenuous to all of the individual characters not being themselves because some of them would have taken them out or done something. So it it just didn't feel right for the characters at points. No, I'll agree. And for me, a lot of the – again, I don't want to say the issue was a disappointment, but I, I felt a little let down because we had the ongoing storylines throughout the tie-ins of you know Miguel and Lady Spider bringing back Leopardon and Miles – gathering together all the extra Spider-Men. And you also had, uh, who's his name, uh, Anya, bringing Karn into it. So you had all these three stories that have been very well told throughout the tie-ins. And the payoff for each of them was half a page. It was terrible. Yeah. It, mean, it just, it really okay, here nothing. we are and move on to more punching. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing too is that the issue centered on very specific Spider-Man and Spider-Women. So it, the others kind of show up, but then it shifts right back to those other characters again. So again, it just really that's, felt like it needed to be one of those big, supersized, you know, 30 plus page issues in order to do everything it needed to do. Oh, God, yeah, definitely. I, I, agree. I, don't, I honestly don't think it was possible to give this storyline as much resolution as it needed in one 20 page comic. I agree. I completely agree. It needed so much more. It was funny because I read this and then I read the the, the, the last part of the all-new X-Men. And I, I, did you read that one yet? Mm -hmm. So I read that and I went, is it right that I actually enjoyed the ending to the all-new X-Men better than Spider-Verse? Because I actually did. I thought it was I thought it was better. And again, which isn't to say that I thought... This was bad. Not at all. It is just, it lacked quite a few some things. Some of them hard to put your finger on, some of them fairly easy. And and so, yeah, I actually preferred the, the ending to the all-new X-Men story that was going on. See, it's like I said, Dan Slott has said that issue 15 of ASM is going to be, you know, the resolution issue. I'm assuming we're going to get a lot of the, the character bits and stuff in there that we were missing here. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm all for that. But this is what was advertised as the end of Spider-Verse. Yeah. So it's, you know, a couple of weeks from now, after we've read issue 15, we went, OK, you know, everything was resolved and that was great and we could be happy with it. But again, as advertised, maybe missing a little bit. The other thing, too, and going back to what I was saying about some of the characters not being genuine to their 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 character type, let's say. Part of what made Superior Spider-Man so much fun to read was that it was Spider-Man being unspider-manly. You know, just a lot harsher, a lot unspider-manly. It's a word. So it, it it that was part of the fun. And this here, because they threw together so many Spider-Man and women in, in this story arc and whatnot, again, we got to see some that matched Otto's personality and weren't afraid to take, to, to make the hard decisions. 
And that's part of what made this awesome because it didn't take away from the purity of Peter's character, our Peter's character, while still allowing us that, that fun of wouldn't it be great if Peter just freaking, you know, took out someone, whether it's more Luna or, or somebody else. And here there would have been, I feel still those characters that, you know, when you look at everything that happens, and this is what I always go back to because Part of it is wild imagination. Part of it is being a writer. Part of it is just me kind of thing. I think in terms of, okay, if this is a real freaking universe, if we exist in this universe, if this is actually going on, if I'm one of these freaking spiders and you look at everything that's happened, that all the thousands or however spiders that they've killed and the, the people that they know that they got killed and all that. And they've got them on the ropes and they can end it finally, not just cage them somewhere where they'll inevitably get free, take them out. Some of these characters would, or at the very least, it'd be a lot more of a fight against Peter to st- when he's saying no one else dies, they'd be like, yeah, right. Especially chick with the, the freaking crystal. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's taking a trip down the freaking stairs <laughs> to shatter because <laughs> that ain't going to survive. Papa's dead. Let's just leave it at that. So that's one of the things that I hate in be it a story for a movie, a book, a comic book. I don't care what it is. The moment the characters no longer feel genuine, where the writer has lost track of who his own characters are or hers. That's when I get sucked out of the story, and that's what this did, for me I, at least. No, I, I can agree with that. It's a fair assessment. Yeah. Because if you look at this story, one one last thing. No, go right ahead. If you look at this story and everything that's happening, because, again, there's so much going on here, with the exception of auto-snapping kind of thing, which which was right, which felt... That's the only thing that did feel right. And you threw in some of the other characters taking out some of the, the these guys, the inheritors. Um, and you that crystal gets shattered and different things like that, that creates then that tension between the spider folks. You would wind up with a much stronger, more believable ending that has a lot more tension to it because of the, the, disagreements between the spiders that would have happened and ultimately follow as well. So you'd have a lot more gripping a story as well as a resolution going forward for the next issues going forward. And, and also just for those characters moving forward, if they're ever brought in, in it into anything else. And I think that that would have been a, a much better way to, to tackle this. Right. Before we move on, did you read the uh, latest issue of 2099 that I had mentioned last week? Yes, I did. How great was that? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Spinning off from there, we have Spider-Woman number four, written by Dennis Hopeless, art, unfortunately, by Greg Land, uh, Jay Leaston, and Frank Darmada. This actually had more Spider-Verse stuff in it than I was expecting. I, I... figured, you know, okay, Spider-Verse is over. They're going to move on and show Jess spinning off her own thing. But approximately half of the issue took place back in the Inheritor's world of Jess dealing with her alternate universe version there. And, like, I thought that was kind of fun. Like, I liked that. I don't say I liked that other Jess, but I liked their interactions and showing the difference between two essentially of the same people. I still don't like the Jess that's being written here. I don't disagree. 
I'm not a fan of that Jess either because of how it was written as well. It just seems so different from the Jess that we've seen in so many other things. It's it's funny. It's almost as if Dennis Hopeless wishes wishes he was writing the Spider Gwen or Silk comic instead because Silk, he yeah. write he writes those characters better than he's writing Jess. Yeah, it, it just didn't feel. It, it I don't know. It just didn't feel like like her at all, and I, I I actually wasn't crazy about this this either. There were a few good lines, but overall, and I, I'm actually I'm not crazy about how he writes Gwen either. But there were a few good lines, but it, far too much of it was again way too cutesy kind of stupidity that I just can't I I just can't get behind. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I, yeah, I didn't enjoy it. And the whole thing, making a big deal about quitting the Avengers was like. People quit the Avengers all the time. They, yeah. Kind of revolving send, door. Send Steven email. You're, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's seriously a revolving door there. So I, I don't know. It, it felt forced. I, I actually wasn't crazy about the relationship with, uh, what's her face either with, uh, Marvel, um, between these two. And we've seen that done well. I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen done that done really, really freaking well. But this ain't it. Yeah, it's it's, it's unfortunate because it's it's not bad, but it's not good either. Yeah. And I know we say it all the time, but my God, the artwork. <sighs> I I stared at, at the page where, you know, where they were back in modern New York, whatever, and she's with Carol. I stared at that page for a good five minutes before I figured out that was supposed to be Carol. Like yeah. I refuse, I refused to turn the page until I figured out who that was. I actually had to keep reading for a bit and go, Oh, that's who that's supposed to be. Like, I know this is somebody, I, but just, I mean, it, obviously it was Carol. Cause who else is she going to be talking to? But the artwork was, Oh God. It, thank God. Thank God. He's leaving this comic. Yeah. Go somewhere else. Go ruin something else. I, that, that's the one thing I'm really hopeful for with the, the new status quo, if you will, you know, the new art style. I, I'm really hoping that they can kind of get into a better groove on this comic. Yeah. When you see Silk and Gwen and what's her face on the boat and you look at their, their faces and their poses and everything. And you're like, Oh, why? What? What? I, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I will be very happy when this is in somebody else's hands. Very, right. very, very happy. Thoughts on the uh, the new costume? <sighs> What's the big deal? Okay. I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm asking. Is there really a big deal? Because they made such a big deal at the end. And that's that was the other thing, too. They're, they're, it's, it came off like they were writing a bad chick flick thing with it. Oh, my God. You're changing your outfit. And you're it, going it, like, it was a little too kind of like, um, I don't want to say breaking the fourth wall, but almost like it was a little too self-aware. Not just, again, it just patronizing women that all they care about is their outfits and how they look and making a big deal about it. And I'm going like, oh, come on. Seriously? It, to me, it just was stupid. I'm whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but from a design perspective, just from that one image at the back, I think the new outfit looks terrible. Oh, all right. I'm really not a fan. Okay. I enjoy it, but all Just right. from the, the colors no. and the, the look of it, the design, the aesthetics, I, I think it looks horrible. That's, you're right. Yeah. 
Uh, we also, this past week, got the first issue of the new Darth Vader comic, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Salvador Larocca and El- Edgar Delgado. Uh, keeping on the art standpoint, the art in this issue, I felt, was fantastic. Like, very w- well-rendered panels, but it felt a little stiff. Like, the action didn't flow very well. Yeah, I won't disagree with you on that. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I noticed with the... Um the art is that and maybe maybe i just haven't read enough star wars comics to to see if this is like this in all of them kind of thing but vader in the movies is the the manner in which he's filmed is specifically in a way to to make him seem larger than life and and so opposing whereas here there's a lot of shots where panels i should say kind of thing where he comes off so small and i know that's part with the story as well mm-hmm. being basically being put in his place essentially but he there's a lot of shots where it's like it's just a dude all dressed in cloak with the funny mask kind of thing and it didn't feel him impo- large and imposing at all I didn't quite catch on to that. Yeah, but it, it's still spectacular art, which is not to right. say that it isn't at all. But yeah, it just kind of, it gives you a whole different look at them. And what's funny is that, and again, we finally finished The Clone Wars. And now I'm reading this and I'm going, oh, it's Annie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I see the character in a completely different light now. So when he's talking to the Emperor and it's just, oh, it's Annie talking to the Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of fun, but uh, but yeah, it was. I actually really enjoyed this, and in large part because of the Clone Wars, and now being sunk right into that IP, I actually really enjoyed this a lot more than the Star Wars series. No, I absolutely agree. I, I felt this comic did a great job of bringing across the Sith mentality of the constant plotting and backstabbing yeah. and all that, all the maneuvering that's involved in you know, great Sith storytelling. Like as I'm reading this the whole time, I was like, yeah, this is stuff like my inquisitor would do in the old Republic. And just, I, and that's something we haven't seen from Vader, you know, the most iconic Sith character of all time. You know, he's basically just been, you know, a powerful figure. So it's great that we're seeing this other very fitting aspect of the character being put into a story. And again, going back to, again, Clone Wars, I'm seeing Anakin now. And I'm seeing the the brash mentality that just going in without always thinking and not having regards for the rules all the time and things like that. So when you go in with that different perspective, it really is a lot more fun reading this now than it would have been, you know, a few years ago before I'd watched that. And it's funny because because of the freaking Clone Wars again, I'm like back into the Old Republic now, Star Wars the Old Republic game. And I'm <laughs> I'm playing my freaking Sith. I got a Sith Jedi and I've been playing it and it's just so much fun. Don't call fun. it a Jedi. No, she is. Yeah, I know he doesn't want to, but she actually is. I unlocked the oh, okay. Sith race. So she's oh, a Sith okay. Jedi. Gotcha. And I kind of role play her as, you know, she's infiltrating the Jedi Council. So she's kind of, she's bad. So yeah, yeah. I'm like right in this mindset. So this just, which is again, why the Star Wars series should have been really hitting on everything for me as well, but it didn't. But this actually really did. Yeah, this... I, I, I 
you said it perfectly. We both have been kind of on the fence about actual Star Wars, but I'm absolutely reading issue two of this one. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. And then finally, we have Divinity, uh, first issue of a four-issue miniseries from Valiant Comics, written by Matt Kent, art by Trevor Hairsine, Ryan Wynn, and David Barron. Normally, I make it a point to read our comics before I put them into the show notes. This week, I was a little behind, kind of scrambling. Like, oh, we'll put this in there. I'm sorry. I was reading this going, what did you make me read? What the hell? Because I I thought it was a a concept that had uh, definite potential. Kind of a a twist on the Superman Red Sun storyline of, you know, a Soviet superhero is the most powerful being on Earth, that sort of stuff. And... I still think that premise has potential, but this is what I've said about Valiant every time I talk to them. They can do good stories, but their individual issues just fall flat so often. This was this it wasn't good, let's be honest. I did not think it was good. It was I, I agree. Way too convoluted. It there were aspects where it made sense. Even in terms of this grandiose story, fine, I'll roll with it. But then it starts bouncing around too much and it's like, okay, you're trying to be all too big for your britches kind of thing and it ain't working. You you were doing way better when you were telling a straight-laced storyline and even that wasn't always clearly written but you 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 still had me there i was willing to to go with it but then try to do all this other stuff and it just leads to confusion and poor writing thank god the art was spectacular i love the art and coloring especially but uh but in terms of the story it just got so muddled and and bad it just it doesn't make sense and it's i really really didn't enjoy it yeah, well, it starts off, we're in, you know, 1960s Russia with uh, this guy, Abram Adams, who's been recruited into the Russian space program. He's going to be shot off into space for 30 years before he comes back to Earth. Like, like you said, the first third of the comic that was focusing on that, it, it was it was okay. Like, yeah, it wasn't amazing, but it, if the story had continued along that track, I would have been a lot more into it. But then we go to modern-day Australia and... To be perfectly honest, I can't even tell you what happened on the last 10 or 12 pages of this comic. I don't look at me because it's hard <laughs> to tell whether or not like see this is the thing too. It's like he's 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 gone off supposedly to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Okay, whatever. How is he back in the suit? How is he what's with the glowing aspect to the suit and the flying and things like how does that even remotely make sense why do we care about this other guy why is he trying to save him how is this fantasy life thing with these other beings making sense there jumping between pillars while there's a sun and a moon or whatever the hell those things are you've already gotten more out of this issue than i did i'll stop you there and then the where the things don't make sense at the end where people are just either imagining something happening or or whatever. So it's like they decided, okay, reality no longer matters, but then they focus too much on specifics 
like this Australian dude. And it's and, and again, this idea of the page folding onto each other or touching each other when you open and fold a book. It, again, it was a convoluted mess that didn't leave any clear imagery whatsoever, didn't answer any questions, and didn't really make us pose questions other than what the hell is going on. Yes, that exactly. So it's disappointing. I agree. All right. Well, as for things that weren't disappointing, other comics we've been reading this week. All right, we've read a lot of comics over the years that have made me emotional. <laughs> you know, Johnny Storm, uh, Ultimate Peter Parker, pretty much anything Kieran Gillen has ever written, that bastard. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> has made me emotionally prepared for all new Ghost Rider. <laughs> I've talked about this every issue and oh my God, you don't do it. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, it's looking like uh, the next issue, issue 12 is going to be the last issue or maybe they're just uh, really hyping up the end of the storyline. But uh, given I haven't looked into it, but given the way the, uh, the promo at the end of the issue was written, makes it seem like there's only going to be 12 issues, but so much of my emotional well-being is tied up into the physical and emotional <laughs> well-being of the little boy in this comic. And it's, it's really good. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's coming across, but I, I'm very concerned <laughs> about what's going to happen to this kid. I haven't been reading any of it. Maybe I'll have to. It's... I and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but man, like the Ghost Rider stuff, like it's fine, it's good, but it's completely secondary to the more human stories going on here, and that's that's fantastic. Cool. All right. Also read the latest uh Angela Asgard's Assassin. And it's I'm getting into the story, I'm getting into the characters, and they made a big deal in this issue of we we talked about it when we mentioned the first issue. Angela finally gets a new costume. Gone are the hot pants and the whatever the hell she was wearing. And it's more fitting with the character. It's, you know, an actual suit of armor. But just like we've seen in so many other female characters, it's form-fitting armor. And yes, I can understand style and all that, but Marvel has made such great strides in recent years to move away from cliched costume types as much of an improvement as this is over her original look, it's still painted on armor almost at points. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, I, I'm still enjoying the story now that we're getting to know the, the, you know, the new characters a little more and getting into the backstory. I, I, I'm really enjoying what they're doing with it. And then finally swamp thing. I haven't talked about swamp thing in forever. Long time. Uh, yeah. I've probably since before I stopped reading DC, but I've caught up with it over the last several months. And I, I'm actually really liking this, this comic. I've, I, it was, it's one of the few comics that I liked from issue one. And I continue to like to this day. I mean, you put Batman and that might be it as far as DC is concerned over the comics that have not disappointed me over the course of their run. Uh, it's actually going to be ending soon with, uh, the whole restructuring coming up. It's not part of the, the new lineup and the story they're telling leading to what's going to be the series finale here is actually really good because we've seen a you know, swamp thing is the avatar of the green, the, the plants we've seen the rot, we've seen the red with the animal kingdom. 
Well, the story they're telling here is the rise of a new kingdom, the machine kingdom. And they're choosing their avatar and they're trying to take down some of the other kingdoms and sort of take control. It's actually a really interesting story and it's building on what they've done over the course of the last three plus years to to bring everything to – I don't know if it's going to be a good resolution, but it's (laughs) – it remains to be seen how it ends. But if they're going to send this out, they're actually sending it out pretty pretty strong because I I was not expecting that of DC's relaunch, Swamp Thing would have been one of my favorite comics, but it has been. Cool. All right. What have you got for us this week, Raj? Okay. So Wolverine sucked. And (laughs) – did you so you did read the final all new X Men for the uh, that story arc? I like I said earlier, I freaking love this. I don't know about you, but this was freaking awesome. No, I really enjoyed it. I like really it was, loved it. Was it was a resolution to everything. It was not just a resolution, but it was an awesome resolution. Yes. And again, going back to what we were saying about Spider Verse here, it is still very much about the interactions between all of the characters and things like that. So, I mean, from the fantastic Doom fight, the freaking Miles getting unmasked, thinking he's going to bite it, everybody working together, the the freaking... <laughs> Hank putting the, the virus in the whole thing. <laughs> Kidnap me, will you? Um, but, uh, but yeah, everything was awesome. But then once they get back to, and I can't remember that kid's name, but once they get back to the kid and now she's opening portals mm-hmm. and you're seeing old man Logan fighting. <laughs> thing, I was like, oh, I, I want it without the, the word bubble. That's like a freaking wallpaper right there. That was so awesome. And, um, and then when they, she's opening up the portals to the, all these other places, the freaking Centaur X-Men thing. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, can we please have a story for that? I don't care if it's like a four or six issue thing. Do it. I think we've seen enough alternate universe stories for a little while. Centaur, Wolverine, and Spider-Man. And Spider-Man had like the freaking arms coming out of his back even. Oh, my God. That one panel was like, oh. Give me more of that. At least a, just something for fun. I have a feeling Bendis's notes for that issue were just draw the most ridiculous thing you can come up with. That was freaking awesome. And then again, to show that you can have, you know, these insanely epic moments that are serious and everything. But don't be afraid to throw in some humor that'll catch people off guard as well. The stuff with reading Tony's mind. <laughs> and the, don't ever read him in any universe. Don't read his mind. <laughs> Worked. But yeah, it was, I freaking loved it beginning to end. And then of course the end with this freaking badass Hank at the end there. It was like, yeah, this is, I really enjoyed this a lot. It was a, I could not have asked for a better ending to this storyline at all. Yeah, I, I kind of got a little disillusioned towards the middle. Like I said, it's just because I'd seen that story structure just like the month before in Guardians of the Galaxy. But by the time I got to the end, I was fully back on board with it. Okay. Did you read the second part of the uh, Magic Mirror? No. Yeah. Lots of fighting. Should we? Should we not? That's basically it. Lots okay. of fighting about who should we or should we not. And <laughs> Listen, not. this thing's stretching on for like 20-some issues. They got to yeah. kill time. Well, this stretches. This this stretches. And then basically just everybody gets zapped. And that's that's that. Spoiler warning. And, um, so, yeah. 
Spoiler warning. Eh, whatever. <laughs> it was really, I, again, it was, there was a, a couple of, of moments where it's like, okay, that's cool. And the only thing that makes this worth it is the payoff at the end. The two page spread that is like, wow, where you're like magnifying glass looking at everything. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. But other than that, pff, no, thanks. Not worth it. Uh, Return of the Living Deadpool. Did you read it? No. Okay. I, I, I thought it might have me because of the, you know, the Walking Dead black and white, and then he's the only thing in color, and what the hell's going on? There's actually a few moments where it was like, it was it was funny, and it was it was fun to read throughout as well, because again, it's that blend of the Walking Dead and... And Deadpool, what would it be like if Deadpool was in The Walking Dead? So it was worth reading. I would, I would say, yeah, definitely read it. But yeah. it's, it's not, you know, anything that's spectacular or anything like that. But definitely, yeah, read it. It was, it was cool. And there were a few it, moments it's, that are. It's a comic that sets out to do something and does it. And it does it very well. It's nothing more. Now, instead of actually, there were a few other ones that I read that I want to talk about. But instead of that. Have you been watching Agent Carter? Indeed. Okay. We have been as well. We just got caught up last night. And I don't know if you feel about it the way that I do. And I have not been keeping up with what other people think about this at all. So I'm completely clueless here. I have my opinion and my wife's to go from. And we freaking love this show. Like, that I is mean, the general consensus. Love it. Okay, I'm glad because I don't want them to cancel this. This is so well, freaking. It's, it's it's not getting canceled. It's just a miniseries. I thought they were actually picking it up for longer, though. I thought it was going to well, be. They're they're considering bringing it back for another miniseries next year, but that decision has been made. Oh, but it from, by design, it was only ever supposed to be these eight episodes. No, really? Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. Well. But I guess the fan response has been enough that now they're considering doing an, another miniseries There's no next reason year. not to. It's got to be making money for them. I mean, Jesus, this thing. Well, you can definitely see good. the production values on this are far higher than anything we've seen on S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm wondering what their budget was for this one. Yeah, but S.H.I.E.L.D. has got all the special effects budget mm-hmm. going towards, whereas this is all making sure that the um, the clothing and everything else is is accurate to the time. But yeah, you watch this and you're sunk in that time. Like you think you're you're there. Everything from the not just the clothing and the look, but the speech, everything is is spot on. Like the production value on this show is insane, and the acting across the board phenomenal. I mean, holy crap, is it ever good? Yeah, it, it's like they took their movie quality production and just threw it at eight hours of television. Yeah. Instead of what we've seen with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And taking nothing away from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like I said, it's been much better this season than the first season, where it's very much a TV production. It doesn't feel like anything bigger than that. Yeah. What's funny is that if we go back, I believe I didn't, I wasn't all that, man, I was mad about it when it was initially announced. Not because it was a mm-hmm. female lead character, but because I just, the character didn't sound like someone that I could be that invested in. And and what happened is that she is one of the best female characters yeah. that Marvel has put out. Because, yeah, Black Widow is fun well, to watch. And all that. But, yeah, well, there's that. But, I mean, she's just 
above and beyond. She's just fantastic in every regard. And, and so every day, and, and the actress who plays, forgive me, I can't remember her name. Haley Atwell. She is fantastic. She has got a screen presence that is undeniable. I mean, she captures that screen and it's not because she's this six foot blonde bimbo kind of thing. No offense to the six foot blonde bimbos, <laughs> but it's, she just is such an amazing actress and her speech is impeccable. Not, not the accent, but like the manner in which she speaks for the times of being accurate and everything like that. And then her action sequences are insane. You take her seriously as this incredibly powerful, intelligent agent that should be running that department kind of thing. Like, holy crap, do we ever love this show? And the supporting cast, everybody's yeah. on point there as well. Yeah. Uh, the other members of, uh, what is it, SIS? RS, uh, isn't it? Yeah, whatever it yeah. is. Uh, Jarvis is amazing. Oh, I yeah. love Jarvis. <laughs> He's incredible. And again, when you're looking at getting the right chemistry between the actors, Carter and Jarvis is just a match made in heaven. They're so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And the only one that's the weak link is uh, Howard. But, I mean, that's the type of character he is, so it fits for that. Yeah. So, yeah, I just – I didn't know if you'd been watching it, but I am just freaking blown away by it. No, I'm definitely loving that show. Good. Okay, that's it for me. All right, then. This week's new releases. Marvel is releasing everything. <laughs> You've got all new Captain America number four, Black Widow number 15, Captain America and the Mighty Avengers number five, Iron Fist Living Weapon number nine, Legendary Star-Lord number nine, Magneto number 15, Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man number 10, Miss Marvel number 12, Nova number 27, Rocket Raccoon number eight. We're getting Silk number one this week, as well as Uncanny X-Men number 31. From DC, we've got Batgirl and Justice League number 39, as well as Batman Eternal number 46. Great week from Image, we have Autumnlands Tooth and Claw number 4, Bitch Planet number 3, Invincible number 117, Manifest Destiny number 13, and one that I'm actually really looking forward to, Thrilling Adventure Hour presents Sparks Nevada Marshall on Mars number 1. I've recently started listening to the Thrilling Adventure Hour podcast a couple months back, and it's a lot of fun. And pretty much everybody else is taking the like, week off. IDW doesn't have anything coming out this week, believe it or not. But uh, also from Valiant, we have the Valiant number three. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next week, thanks for listening. Ready when you are. All right. You still don't have the music? Shut up. I have it where it's important. In my soul. In my heart and soul. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't feel the same starting without it, though. (laughs) It's just that I don't have it. You'll you'll see in a couple weeks (laughs) if it's still not there. No, I'll have it for my episode. Screw you. I don't care what you. I'll have it for mine. (laughs) Like, have it on your phone and you'll play it in the background. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have... I'll have my earbuds underneath my earphones, <laughs> just so <laughs> I can hear it. <laughs> oh.